welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hello, I'm Rachel. And each week on the Skies Under podcast, I chat with my good friends Sarah Clayton and Lucy Parr. We laugh and moan, listen to each other and try to learn as we talk about parenting our children with disabilities. My background is that I'm a qualified nurse, parent of three, and my eldest son has cerebral palsy as well as very complex health needs. I wrote the memoir, The Skies I'm Under, and I'm founder and director of Born at the Right Time. Sarah is the CEO of Simple Stuff Works. She has four children and her eldest daughter suffered a brain tumour at the age of six. Then as a consequence of treatment and complications, she's now a beautiful young woman with learning disabilities and various medical health needs. And we just recently celebrated Sarah's daughter turning 21. There was karaoke, there was music, there was dancing. I know Sarah does not look old enough to have a 21-year-old daughter. It was a massive celebration. I even got to meet some of the listeners of the podcast, including Rachel, who was dripping with beautiful children and babies. Hi, Rachel. She doesn't have children with complex needs, but she's a doctor and an avid listener, and I promised I would say hello. Lucy Parr is the third corner of our triangle and is working as an SEN specialist within a school while she pauses her PhD in educational psychology. Her third of four children has a chromosome duplication, which means he isn't verbal, has autism, high sensory needs and very complex epilepsy. With all the introductions made in our usual rambling, ranty, possibly slightly sweary, thanks Lucy, way, let's talk about resilience. Hello everybody and welcome to the Skies Rwanda podcast. I'm back again with my wonderful friends, Sarah and Lucy, to talk all things resilience. Hello Sarah and Lucy, how are you? Hello. All right, thank you. The fact that you've made it to episode 12 means we don't really have much to say because you've been very resilient (laughs) in pursuit of still being here. And if you're listening this far, well, clearly, you also do not need this episode. But first of all, how are you ladies? All right. Everyone's just nodding, which isn't the greatest content for a podcast, is it? Let's be honest. Okay. How are you? I'm going to nod with noise. I'm good. (laughs) I'm all right. Nodding with noise. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm okay. We're um, we're still no further. EHCP, yeah. Uh, The black hole. The land between. (laughs) Yes, we're still there. We record these episodes uh, before they're released and we're currently still in Easter break where I live. (laughs) We're in spring break, and I love my children so much. <laughs> and yet, oh, except and one of them is obviously sitting in the house and printing off something on the printer. So you're going to start hearing a <laughs> noise. Let's take oh. a bet now. What the it's literally what the printer is right going on to cue. be? What's going to come in? Come it's and say hello in here. 
This is yeah. the six-year-old. What picture is it going to be you're printing out? I, 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 minions on Gru's motorbike. Ah, oh, Minions <laughs> on Gru's motorbike. I mean, who wouldn't want to interrupt a podcast recording for a minion? That's how many is my job. How many say goodbye to... How many minions are there? There's three minions. No, um, I'd, I'd expect at least 18 copies of that. Oh, right. <laughs> that was one of my cues. <laughs> far too quick. Oh, right, yes. do you want to say goodbye? <laughs> you need to say it out loud. They can't hear you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> right, shut Bye. the door on your way out. You see, he was he was waving without noise as well. So yes. it's just one of those things. <laughs> and slamming the door. Uh, so there we go. There is children everywhere. Let's crack on and get into what resilience is. And uh, there's no point in Sarah and I really talking about this very much because we have Lucy's expertise. (laughs) Absolutely. No pressure. So first of all, what is resilience? So I I had a really interesting time, like, trying to prep for this. Because when I looked it up in the dictionary, the resilience definition in the dictionary is this. Number one, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. And the example they give, I shit you not, and this is why I think this definition must be written by a Tory. (laughs) The often remarkable resilience of so many British institutions. Right? So So what, like the the bankers? I have no idea. The often remarkable resilience of so many British institutions. Like the NHS, who is massively currently on its knees. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the social care system and other many British institutions that are so remarkably resilient, apparently. Okay. So, yeah. Capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and toughness. Second one. The ability of a substance (laughs) or object to spring back into shape. Elasticity. And then the oh what like all of our bodies yeah I mean you know yeah exactly oh there you go (laughs) wait I am resilient wait for the definition of this right so this one is obviously written by man (laughs) nylon is excellent in wearability abrasion resistance and resilience I'm sorry anyone who's ever worn fucking tights that is not a true (laughs) back are we back to the thrush conversation again (laughs) (laughs) are we already want to look. If Can you we just leave it now? Have a hoot about uh, what we were just mentioning. You could go back to episode 10. No, 11. episode 11 yeah. on help. And Sarah confesses, and I can't divulge. You'd have to go back and listen. But so, um, yeah. it may be something she takes a few episodes to live down. <laughs> so, yeah, those two definitions of resilience are really interesting because they are, are both framed with a discrete event in mind. Mm. So there's that kind of, and I take issue with both of those definitions of resilience, and this is my reason. Firstly, there's that first one about um, recover quickly. So that subjective bullshit mm. on timing, quickly recover. What what does that even mean? And secondly, to kind of return to pre-trauma baseline state. Mm. I don't think anyone ever returns to no. pre-trauma baseline state. I think we... J- we adapt and we cope and we move on and we learn to live with the the emotional baggage that has been dealt us by whatever's gone on. And also, then, what does resilience mean if it's not a discrete event? Mm. That you you know you go. It's like that Chumbawamba song. I get knocked down and I get up again. Never gonna get me down. Yeah, yeah. For actually listening to that song, please consult Spotify. Other <laughs> platforms are available. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I 
don't think, like you say, I don't think when I think of something being resilient, as in what my perception without looking at a dictionary of what something resilient is, it isn't about going back to a pre whatever the incident is state. Mm -hmm. I think it's about being able to, and maybe that's because I frame it within my own story, being able to change what needs to be changed to still manage and cope and survive and potentially even thrive within a situation. So it's not yep. about, um, oh, look, I can go back to this again, um, mm. but actually I can adapt yep. and learn and grow mm-hmm. but that neither of those definitions resonate no none no. of those definitions kind of kind of hit home as to what i or even what i think other people want me yeah. to be as resilient because yeah. there's lots of talk isn't there there's lots of talk about parents being more resilient and families being more resilient and children being more resilient mm-hmm. um and i wonder whether part of that narrative is about um actually we should just suck it up buttercup and mm-hmm. we sh- we are colluding in a system and environment where it is acceptable to be persistently and repeatedly knocked down mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, actually, like persistently and repeatedly, I, I don't use this word lightly, but traumatized. I think, mm. that, you know, there is that trauma. And I think the kind of resilience that people think about a lot of the time, forget the dictionary definitions that we just thought about, but the kind of resilience that people think about all the time is that kind of internal grit and mm. the dig deep, the pull your bootstraps up, the yeah. get yourself the Churchill this. kind of war yeah. mentality. <laughs> yeah, you know? the, the British stiff up, stiff up a lip. You just get through. Mm. You just get through. And that idea of resilience is also slightly, like you said, can be really damaging because it colludes with a system of well, it's all on you to get yeah. through this. It's not on anything external to you. Your locus of control mm. is within you, and that's it. Um, and that's really damaging because if you feel the pressure of, right, I have to be resilient, the only thing here to make my life good or bad or whichever way my life's going to go is in me, then yeah. that's really, that's a huge pressure. Like, can I get through this crazy traumatic event or can I live my crazy traumatic, chronically crazy life? Um, can I do that? It's all on me. Um, that's Mm. a massive massive pressure and I think that internalized superpower idea of resilience can be really damaging Um, so yeah there is that element of grit and resilience but there's also this in in psychology we talk about systemic resilience and I think that that is a very helpful kind of hand-in-hand idea about resilience because yes of course there is that internal grit and resilience within people but if that's our only understanding of resilience that that can be really harmful whereas if we start to think about systems being resilient and what that looks like then that kind of broadens out the narrative a bit okay so do you think you are do you think you have resilience within that whether it's grit whether it's the 
the system that you're part of, that you're within, would you say you're resilient and did that happen as a result of being a person who has somebody who loves a child with complex needs or is that just like who you were? Like, are you just a go get them, you know, sort it out kind of people or not? I wasn't, but it wasn't so much. So I've always... Like, we've talked about my kind of so, the social anxiety stuff thing and, <laughs> like, the physical response that my body has to a stranger speaking to me. That social anxiety very, very much through my teens mm. and early 20s. And one of the ways that I would deal with that was was using alcohol. And so in terms of resilience, like, I thought that, you know, kind of... Um, I didn't have that grit. I didn't have that sort of like the ability just to power on through a night out. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a huge pressure. And what that led to was I haven't um, had a drink since, what, 2004. So life has been pretty dull since then. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) We can remember all of it. I remember all of these years. Not much has happened. Exactly. And so less exciting things happen, less random things happen. But I th- when I think about that idea of resilience, I complete I, that resonates so much, Lucy, because in like there's that inner there's something inside you that means that you need to get through this addiction process. You know, you need to address the addiction, and it is part of you. But I know that I also did that with the help of GP, with the help of family, with the help of do you know? And you have to, mm. you can't do it on your own. And then and then that was three or four years before. Um, her diagnosis and I remember really distinctly having to call on those same that same Mm. kind of knowing that there was stuff inside me that I could do this and I and I dread to think what would have happened if it had been like this if it had been the other way around so I had coping strategies that came from that that um time where I was being supported to reflect to understand myself to Mm -hmm. so I'd had that kind of investment at that Mm. point which I then called on again at the time of her diagnosis do you do yeah does that make sense yeah it's really interesting that you talk about that social anxiety therefore means you're not resilient and I'm not sure that's true I think the fact that if you are somebody who struggles to have those conversations in the gym with Tracy yes um but who yet are, you will go fabulous. Who, but yet you will go to uh an exhibition and a OT event and an international conference and stand up and speak in front of people I think that shows a massive you know that shows her I mm. I'm staring this Uh, emotional reaction in the eye and I'm sitting with it long enough that I'm then going to still choose actually I acknowledge that but I'm going to make a decision that this is a greater good and I'm going to choose to do this bit as well and and that I think it does it does make sense but the but the difference between those two situations is that um in a work situation I can hide behind my work okay and the things that I know and the Mm the the okay. whereas in a social situation <clears throat> it's just me yeah you know and that and i mean i'm the same i'd much rather stand up in front of a conference of 600 people totally. and have to do chit chat at the school run yeah absolutely. by a million miles i think it was about that process of having to really understand 
what my what I was feeling and and then sit with it mm. rather than rather than what I'd Plan done through. previously, which would be what am I feeling? Oh or oh shit. How can a I numb that? Coming. <laughs> I'll numb that one, thank you very much. But I think that that stood me in good stead for things that happened later. Yeah. Okay. No, I think I- that's I think that's really true. Um yeah, I think for me I so if we, we it sounds like we're kind of coming to a conclusion that resilience is more about feel the fear and fuck it do it anyway. Yes. Not always. It's got to be sometimes, hasn't it? It's got to be like yeah. feel the fear and say um there's there's got to be two responses that are still as heroic. And one response is stuff it I'm going to do it. And one response is is do you know what the best thing, the self-care the honourable mm-hmm. thing, the thing that's truest to me is to yeah. step out of this because this is be, this is not this is too much. This is not my values. Yeah. This is not my my bag. This is not my fight. This is not my whatever. And therefore, I'm not going to do it. And I yeah. wonder whether personally, my what makes me look very resilient mm-hmm. is actually I'm just a pleaser. It's mm-hmm. nothing to do with the fact that I am adaptable and well, yeah, maybe I am adaptable and I'll. I'll pursue and I'll be creative and I'll pioneer and I'll push through. But that's probably more um, tied up with my desire to please other people than um, an inherent kind of uh, character trait. I think the character trait to please people is bigger than the character trait to be resilient. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so maybe when my son was born and I was required to demonstrate a level of resilience and cope and adapt and um, bounce back. I did that by continuing to want to do the right thing for everybody, by everybody else. I really question myself with do I think I'm resilient or not with this because I, because I was kind of thrown by those definitions. Um, mm. But if we're talking about, you know, what we th- we've kind of got that shared understanding of being true to ourselves feeling the fear do it anyway sometimes not necessarily basically doing putting ourselves at the center of the decision and being truest to ourselves in whatever maintaining integrity yeah maintaining integrity yeah then absolutely I think I'm resilient like uh, yeah hands down um I think I am actually quite good at that because I have not had the best start uh, in terms of parenting and stuff I only had me to mm. rely on so therefore if if something was going to get done I was the person that was going to do it and that was that that was like forced resilience because well if if you don't get this shit done it's not going to happen so therefore I had to do it and and that stood me in really good stead like you were saying um Sarah stood the kind of doing AA and all that stuff stood you in good stead and then for me it was my kind of forced experience of I had to do it, otherwise it didn't get done. And therefore, yeah. when Brecken came along, it was like, oh, more things to do. Okay, yeah, yeah. Off, off, on we go. In that way, my background served me well. And yeah. I think mm. it's, diff- it's different for, um, for Stu, who had a different upbringing. Yeah. And it was harder for him because he hadn't had anything to deal with before. So he hadn't had those inbuilt tools and mm. resilience skills um before we got to having Brecken. Um, some of our previous episodes we've talked about things like we've talked about taking help and we've talked about self-care and they kind of 
feel like aspirations, aren't they? They're things that we um, aspire to integrate into our lives. Whether that's the, the definition that we have all think is true about resilience or dictionary definition of um, bounce back ability and returning to pre whatever state. Do you, Is it something you still, you kind of feel like it's something you aspire to be like his resilience because it it gets banded around as like independence yeah. resilience mm. like if you wanted to positively talk about other families who have children with disabilities then you'd be like they're very resilient as though that's a positive thing mm. not that wouldn't ever be a negative thing but is do you think do you think that's something is resilience something you still aspire to be I think for me, the kind of resilience where you just have to have grit and determination and get through without complaint. No, fuck that. That is not that is not something I want to aspire to because that's damaging. That's like that's not helpful. That is just a get out clause for um, services to be shit, for other people not to help, for for you to not ask for help, all of that stuff. And you to not be a burden. That's what that kind of resilience is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's you know, we should not be aspiring to not be a burden because actually all of us are burdens all of us have needs all of us have a need to belong you know that kind of yeah. those hierarchy belonging thing. and community connection yeah. community all of that stuff and all of us that's a basic human need and so for anyone to to kind of wrench themselves out of that and decide that they can do it all on their own i just don't think it's healthy and it's not a good thing to aspire mm. to in terms of resilience as a flexible adaptive problem solving kind of coping um healthy way to change and be and evolve then yeah for sure that is of course something i want to aspire to um but that is not within me only that's in the context of community yes so Um, that resilience that that the, the the version of resilience is stepping from this interpersonal resilience to this me being resilient within the systems and the connections mm-hmm. and the relationships with within which i live yeah. yeah yeah i think a person can only be as resilient as the kind of systems and connections that are embedded in totally don't you think? and it, yeah yeah and it's and it's funny because um in ehcp gate we <laughs> have discussed resilience um with this idea of of um Pi was sort of talking about um about her developing her resilience, and I'm just like, no, 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 there is no requirement to do that because it, and yeah. the, you know I've said uh, you know in, in a meeting like just a cursory glance at her history will mm. tell you my girl this has girl, got great she has and got. determination yeah yeah, yeah. It's the she's only badass. thing that's oh, yeah it's the she only put thing. the rest of you to shame <laughs> totally so she. She oh, you got me goosebumpy. I'm just so Sarah and I do training together, and and actually the three of us have done training together. And when Sarah shares her story, she says stories of her daughter, and the and some of those images of when well, I get complaints sometimes that there should be a trigger warning because quite frankly, what what your daughter went through and what your whole family as a consequence witnessed and went through as a result is 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 mammoth and to all mm. those families who are walking that it's not even a tightrope it's a massive canyon mm-hmm. isn't it it's just yeah. it's just yeah. brutal mm. there is how dare anybody yeah anybody suggest that somebody mm. has gone through um cancer treatment 
maybe needs to develop their resilience. <laughs> but, but it's but it's any if you think about the interventions that our children, all three mm. of our children, have been through over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't need resilience. What no. they need is systems and processes that are there to support them. Mm -hmm. So they don't need not not to learn how to bounce back from them not being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't. That that's what I've been trying to say is is that um, on the on the grit and determination front and the bounce back ability, she's got it one hundred percent. What she needs now is mm. for those systems around her to also have grit and determination to and match exactly. her resilience. Yeah. rather than yeah. um, expect her to up her game again and again and again in order for them to continue to be this less than. She doesn't, she doesn't need to bounce back from a lack of specialist support. Mm. She yeah. needs specialist, specialist support. support. You know, yeah. I think we should just end there, actually. Yeah. It's a very short yeah. podcast, because quite yeah. frankly, um, and maybe that's, that maybe, you know, we're so, each one of us sitting here and thinking about that with regards to your daughter and being 21 years old and navigating this new world and it being daunting and and scary and whatever and we're so clear that's exactly what she deserves yeah but when we're talking about resilience in ourselves mm -hmm. we probably don't give ourselves the same level of worth value and honoring our right to be supported in that way and maybe mm -hmm. that's our biggest challenge isn't it that we can look at our children and say they deserve something better they deserve to have the support and the networks that mean they do not need to dig deep every yeah. single time. Born at the Right Time is an organisation focused on bridging the gap between families of people with complex needs and the many practitioners who support us. Through CPD certified training, workshops, advocacy and campaigning, Born at the Right Time team are passionate about seeing a cultural change in the policies that surround us, improving the service at delivery and bringing about a better lived experience for people caring for those with complex disabilities. So go to www.bornattherighttime.com for more information on CPD certified courses, parent workshops, or buy one of my books, The Skies Are Under or Shattered. Visit bornattherighttime.com to help bridge the gap between families of children with complex needs and those people who support us. What would the world look like if you didn't need to be resilient? A, a, a resilience-free world, I mean, I think that would be... I, fairly boring I, yeah I think <laughs> I think that um it was really interesting I was listening to a thing on the radio the other day and um it was an author talking about a book that that she'd written in which um it's it's a story it was based on a on an experiment where a chimp baby baby chimp was brought into a family at the same time as a, a newborn human baby and the whole experiment was to see what ha you know like kind of whether the chimp would develop human behaviors and then at five years old, what they find is that the baby is developing chimp-like behaviours in the same way that the chimp is developing human behaviours. But this is fictional. It's you know, it's a, a work of fiction based on this true story. And she just she she was talking about the idea of going through life. And and as parents, what she was talking about was 
never wanting your child to have a negative experience. They were trying to protect the children and all of this sort of stuff. And she just said, we were, I was driving and she was just saying, can you imagine what a nightmare those people would be mm. if parents, if all parents got their own way <laughs> and no child ever experienced <laughs> adversity? Can you imagine what a nightmare yeah. we would be in? So I think adversity, there's different levels of adversity, you know, mm-hmm. kind of almost losing your life is not one that you would be wanting to put people mm-hmm. up. But, you know, adversity is is a given, isn't it? Yes. Maybe what we're talking about is it's not it's not avoiding adversity. It's not saying you don't need to be to struggle, that, that struggling is bad, that hard is bad. I definitely don't think hard is bad. Mm-hmm. The, the best parts of life come out of things being something we've got to work at. So resilience has to come like resilience and adversity adversity are bedfellows yes Mm. yes so we don't get one without the other but what i'm suggesting is that um the level of adversity is kind of disproportionate for families like ours Mm. yeah so what so so you're not going to just get more and you can't match that level of adversity without all all by yourself up leveling that resilience of a system totally Yeah. yeah 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 And so it isn't about avoiding adversity is not what makes resilience, obviously, because that that was just like easy life. Um, But what the challenge is, is that we are trying to expect people to match resilience when the level of challenges are simply beyond one person's ability and then failing to provide the system which would potentially have the capacity, you know, which has the potential to provide the input and support required for that Mm -hmm. adversity so what does healthy resilience look like i think healthy resilience looks like basically having enough adversity and enough upskilling of of yourself and tools and equipment and systems around you to face that with i guess with not with ease because i'm not sure that's the way but with some sort of grace and authenticity um and still not losing yourself in that if you're if you're if you're at a point where you're like oh my god i'm on my knees and blah 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 and you're broken that's not healthy resilience even if you're surviving so i guess it comes down to for me between are we talking about surviving or we're talking about thriving um (sighs) and that if you're healthy resilience um both intrapersonal resilience and systemic interpersonal resilience those those things enable you to thrive not just survive Mm. um and then if you're just surviving that's not healthy resilience you you just you know you're just getting through and you're it's not you're broken and i think that takes a long time to understand because i would say that i'm only just understanding that now and probably even just in the course of this series of podcasts, it's been like therapy. It's like <laughs> great. free, free yeah. therapy. So like working out, there is so much in there, isn't there, about thriving, about the fact that our families deserve to thrive, mm-hmm. mm. that, that, um, that that resilience, again, that it, it doesn't have to be that, that you're just surviving. That aspiration to thrive. I wonder whether, just thinking about that, whether healthy resilience is when we are able to tap into being our authentic self still. Mm 
Yeah. And unhealthy resilience is when we have to go, when we have to um, be selfless, when yeah. we have to abandon ourselves, abandon who we are, yeah. what we're worth. Unhealthy resilience is I'm going to do this for everybody at the expense yeah. of it doesn't matter because I am, you know, I'm going to just crack on versus I'm going to work hard and this is hard and this is challenging and I'm going to take it this far and I'm going to get that help and I'm going to ask that person and I'm going to connect with these people because just talking to them is meaningful and fills me up and helps me reflect on where I am and what I need Um, and that kind of swirling level of of interconnection and resourcing in lots of different places is resilience that's healthy yeah not dogged um blinkers on uh head down uh it's not anybody else's responsibility it's just down to me and i'm gonna do it and i'm everyone's gonna look at me and go wow she is resilient Mm -hmm. healthy resilience is not martyrdom that's what you're saying isn't it yeah yeah But this is really important to families like ours because we are expected, the expectation is that we are martyrs. Mm. And yet healthy resilience is not martyrdom. Therefore, we need to start thinking differently. Um, So if you're listening and this resonates, then yeah, great. Because we need to not settle for a shit level of support and, uh, and sacrificing ourselves and all of all of that martyr stuff which is held up to be so positive and it isn't mm. positive you will lose yourself and it, and then that doesn't serve anybody because we know you not a different yeah. version of you totally i guess what we all need to do is potentially stop um and instead of listening to the the constant bombardment from the the noise of society you need to stop and say actually take a breath listen go into yourself and say what is it that I actually need to be healthy and good and well in this situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again that's back to feeling like that's such a huge expectation on us again isn't it yeah it becomes our responsibility again yeah yeah I know we we all talked about it before the privilege that we all have as white women in the UK who are articulate are able to say this is what I need and there are so many people who aren't able to do that and the system is not set up the system's not Mm. resilient enough to support those people to understand their needs rather than just give them what they think they ought to have or what they're offering which is the way the system is set up at the minute how are we all going to be more resilient in a healthy way no i think you nailed it in the kind of holding reflective space okay and that's like i think that's a really key and and manageable i think as well mm. to you know you take five minutes and just like on on the loo just pretend you're having a really long shit and and like take five minutes and hide and do a bit of reflection and like what do I need am I still am I still me I guess that's the question am I still me um and or do I feel like I'm lost and and losing myself and not um not anywhere near like who I am then I think that's a key that's a really key metric of whether you are being healthily resilient or whether you are being a martyr Mm. Um, 
I think we've you've I remember your um your images, Sarah, you shared us of um your daughter's EHCP and those aspirationals. Like what is it? What's the dream? What's the yep. what's the kind of potential reality and what are all the things that need to be put into place? Mm-hmm. And yep. then we have these IEPs and we have these annual reviews and I kind of wish that someone would do that with me. I wish someone would mi- sit me down and go, what is it that you need yep. to be looked after well enough to stretch beyond yourself and be something... Do you know what I mean? Cause, yeah, yeah, genuinely, Rachel, I've had a path in in the past. So bees, the, the images that you're talking about are of bees' path. Uh, which which you can share, you know, that kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Please do share them. You yeah, know, we'll share that on Instagram when this comes out. Yeah, and and I know lots of people who have paths who don't have any, you know, kind of additional needs. You know, the kind of fully mm. grown adults, parents, you know. Mm-hmm. But all that idea of if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. Mm. Yeah. And but it all just comes back again to that idea of reflection, that idea yeah. just exactly what you talked about, about having the time to sit down and think, right, what the hell are we doing here? What do we need? What what's our priority? What has to happen if that's where we're going? What has to happen? Well, yeah. where would we be in a year? Mm. Where would we be in six months? Where would we be in three months? And what has to happen next week in yeah. order to make this happen? Um, and there's a yeah, there's a lot of tools like that, but yeah, the path loads. is really good. The path is really good. And yeah. path, by the way, for listeners, is an acronym that um, stands for Planning Alternative Tomorrows with Hope. Um, and if you look that up, path the acronym, then you'll we'll do the you'll find a whole lots of research about um, research and tools and stuff like that about it. But there's that's one of many. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, that idea of reflection and what we need is good. Ooh, yeah. so maybe that's the challenge this week whenever it comes to how we dress for the weather. And that's okay. That uh, the whole description is more apt than ever. That's what resilience is, isn't it? It's kind of mm-hmm. dressing for the weather. And that mm-hmm. isn't just something that's, um, you know, having thicker skin. That's taking an umbrella. That's being sourced an umbrella. That's being... Yeah. You know, whatever that is. Um, so maybe we need to spend a little bit time of reflection on. Um, we spend so much time reflecting on what our children need. Maybe we need to think about how that works for us as um, parents and as whole family systems. Simple Stuff Works is a family-run, world-leading provider of positioning equipment and postural care training. Their mission is to keep people feeling comfortable and protect their bodies from avoidable and devastating changes in body shape. Simple Stuff Works puts people and their families at the centre of postural care by making everything as accessible as possible. You can check out their YouTube channel for free access to training and their website, www.simplestuffworks.co.uk for more downloadable resources. That's www.simplestuffworks.co.uk. Dude, talking about umbrellas, that leads me 
seamlessly into. Um, I was on the bus one time because I was poor and didn't drive a car when I had my first two babies. So I had to get the bus. And I did these shitty buses in Swansea which didn't have, like, these were the olden days where you didn't just push the buggy on. They were not the, those buses. They were the buses with the tiny, narrow steps. Daisy was about two and Ocean was about six months. And so I have to, like... Hold the baby in one hand, fold the buggy up with the other hand while telling Daisy, right, go and find a seat. Two-year-old to go in. Yeah, my yeah. two-year-old. Go and sort yourselves out. Uh, sort yourself out. Pay for yourself and, when you're getting yeah. on. So Which I got isn't on. contactless. <laughs> I got on just about fitted through with my one-arm buggy, one-arm one um, baby. baby and managed to climb up the, the tiny steps. Paid the money with I don't know what hand third hand paid paid the fare whatever <laughs> and and then I got I turned the corner and I had baby in the right hand buggy in the left hand and my baby had like one of those Maggie Simpson star suits on you know because it was cold <laughs> I then had to get the buggy in the left hand over to the storage unit in the right hand so I so I'm like right I'm just gonna have to swing it across right so ready steady go swung the the buggy across my body and as I did that my very slippery star suited <laughs> baby <laughs> fell head first out of my arm head into, first head first into the umbrella stand I shit you not so <laughs> I'm like mortified I'm at the front of the fucking bus everyone is watching <laughs> Daisy's down there somewhere I've just abandoned the other child she I don't know where she is and, and then she she did cry. So I knew she was all right because she cried. It was all fine. <laughs> That's always an excellent... That's what they That's say, isn't excellent. it? If they're crying, they're probably fine. So I, like, hoiked her out. And, and, you know, all these people just fucking stared at me and didn't offer to help, but didn't offer to, like, actually intervene. and like But just death stares because obviously I'm very young as well so I've obviously just yes. slept with many people and had children too early and I'm a benefits thing and I'm on the bus you know? <laughs> so, but yeah she was fine but yeah head first into an umbrella stand Aww. I think that qualifies Amazing. as like yeah. worst parent award yeah you did you did skills and has anybody got any um disability hacks this week uh things that have been super helpful or something that you would recommend for others so my disability hack would have to be related to sleep systems um my dad invented one of the world's first sleep systems and his biggest regret is that he called it a sleep system because he was saying it really should have been called um a lying support so just support for when you're lying down and the general principle is that if somebody finds it difficult to move during the daytime they're not going to suddenly behave completely typically at night and be able to change position just the same as everybody else does. So my hack would be that most people have got some equipment that they could use for supported lying in their airing cupboard. So pillows, towels, teddy bears are the first place to start when it comes to supporting the person that you love when they're lying down. And it can be really, um, it can be a bit daunting to think about uh, sort of bodging equipment but when you think about it effective nighttime positioning equipment is going to be easy to use it's going to be soft it's going to be um kind of non-invasive you know it's 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 going to be the like the things that you've got at home the thing that um special about specialist equipment is that it's kind of tried and tested and it also um 
is guaranteed not to move because of the way that it's designed. But that doesn't mean that you can't bodge things until you get the right specialist equipment. So if you go to Simple Stuff Works YouTube channel, there is a series of videos that are all um, uh, yours truly talking about uh, night positioning and all the general principles. Take a look at those. Think about how you could support the person that you love using things that are around the house, but also get some specialist advice as well, because it may well be that you need something in the longer term that's going to be a bit more um, a bit more specialist. But yeah, don't be afraid of replicating specialist equipment with things that you can get more easily and um, more quickly. To use those use those specialist services um for the advice and the principles absolutely even if it's not getting the wodge of money off them for the equipment that you need no 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 fantastic fantastic whenever i'm uh we have i've talked to you before about the sewing lady oh, yes. um, which is someone who we go to um stitch in time in lee in south end which you know it's probably very far for quite a few people to come, seeing as we have people <laughs> listening in Albania and Israel and New Zealand and <laughs> Australia. Um, but she, we, uh, there are different coats and trousers and all sorts of things you can get specialistly um, made. But what I like to do is to choose the coat that I want my son to wear, size, adapt, you know, warmth, fashion what it looks like all those kind of things and then um because he is a wheelchair user all the time i get my lovely sewing lady to put a cut from the bottom of the back up to the collar and that's it she puts a seam in it and i then to put his coat on and off while he's sitting in the wheelchair we just pop his put it over his head pop his arms in looks like he's wearing a coat but it doesn't make the chest strap too tight. In winter, it gets too tight when you've got a big, thick coat on. It's easy off and on. You don't even have to take the zip completely off. So my top tip is find someone, find the coat you need, which can be so much cheaper than the, the properly adapted one, and just get someone to cut the back up and use it to put it on while the person is still in their wheelchair. Well, there you go. That's resilience. Genius. Adapting to yeah. the situation that you are in um, and using other people to support you. <gasps> That's, that is like come prof- circle. professional. Thank you for listening to the Skies Were Under podcast. It would be a massive help if you could rate, follow and review the podcast wherever it is you're listening along. Thanks to Sarah and Lucy for our conversation, their very precious time and energy, and to Harry for doing all the technical stuff with the audio. In trying to talk about resilience this week, we had to acknowledge the connection between adversity and resilience. Where I think we ended up is that families like ours are incredibly resilient. We've been knocked, challenged, and required to adapt, react, and respond to changing circumstances and expectations. But resilience isn't a standalone project. As Lucy says, it isn't simply a superpower which we hold alone. We think resilience is created in networks and with others. Like the woven thread of a rope, it's only our interconnections which garner the strength and resilience we need. To all of you who are working in services across education, health and social care, could you match our resilience? Could you... Look at the culture and the face-to-face working practices, the policies and procedures, 
and reflect on how you might be as resilient as the families that you serve and support. And for us fellow parents, we so often look at our children and recognise the adversities they face and just want to support them. We want to make it easier and relieve their burden somehow. Maybe, just maybe we could give ourselves the same value and support too. Not try to do it alone, but see our resilience played out in the way we connect, the way we rely and work with others. Trust me, I really know this part is super hard. I am utterly rubbish at it. Partly because it's easier to do it alone and partly because vulnerability is scary and often the services we go to don't react to our cries of help in the way we hope or need. But resilience isn't about doing it alone. Our resilience is grown through being in community and with each other as we try to take the next step. Whatever skies we're under. Goodbye.